0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Joining us today, all-star panel of guests lined up. They're not all going to be on at the same time, so technically it's not a panel. It's more of a lineup, a rotation, if you will. And uh first off, we've got Corey Ruth calling in about 2.15. He's a partner with uh, Emergence Global. We also have Julianne Thompson, longtime Republican Party activist and co-chair of the Scott Walker presidential campaign here in the great state of Georgia. And then at 2.45, our friend Erica Barker, who's the political director of the Georgia Association of College Republicans, will be joining us as well. So uh lots to talk about. We're really covering a, a wide spectrum of topics today. We're going to... Clearly be talking about the presidential race. It, uh, it's amazing. This, uh, this Donald Trump character doesn't seem to be exiting stage left or right. He's uh, continuing to lead in the, the polls and uh, unfortunately is taking a lot of the publicity away from the other presidential candidates. Uh, David, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, your, your buddy Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, was successfully able to uh, petition the Republican Party there to allow him to run for both U.S. Senate and President next year. He basically paid a $250,000 $250,000 fee to the Kentucky Republican Party and they were able to rearrange their schedule and allow him to uh, run for both. So, you know, a guy that claims not to be a creature of Washington certainly does seem to want to go back to Washington uh employed as either a senator or president. So, I found that a little interesting. What do you think about that? Do you think that was uh what would it, you know, is it a payoff to the kentucky republican party to keep his job because being a senator not a bad gig One hundred eighty thousand a year plus cadillac benefits you only have to run for election re-election every five years you know it's a six-year term so you got to start running for a re-election in year five not a bad job um and that's why people don't really like to leave it that's why we have so many senators in there who've spent more than 20 years in dc as senate so what do you think about that Term limits. Term limits. Does
2: this make the case for term limits even more pressing? I, I think everything makes the case for term limits, personally. Um, it's not going to happen, not in my lifetime, and probably not in your lifetime or your kid's lifetime or anybody uh, else's. I'm a young 40, David. 40's
1: the new 30.
2: Ah, Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, it ain't going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. Because uh, the this inmates is... aren't going to police themselves, right? No, okay. that's exactly right, Are the the wolves in the hen house aren't going <laughs> to change it. So, you know, and, and that's a shame. I, I am a big uh, supporter of term limits. I, I wouldn't have thought that, but, you know, that that's the one um, or one of the many small things that our uh, founding fathers uh, just sort of messed up on. Uh, they never anticipated these clowns turning, being a senator or, or house representative, uh into a permanent job. And quite frankly, you know, we've got one out here that, you know, you build a practice in medicine and there have been a number of doctors and and doctors uh, being the narcissist that they are and egomaniacs, um, they get up there and they think they can't leave. I I quite frankly don't understand. A, A doctor should go I would think, after all they've gone through to become doctors, uh, go up there maybe for for a representative, maybe for six years, three terms. Uh, for a senator, maybe two terms at the outside. But if they really have a love, they would come back to what they were trained to do. Right. Same way, and then you get the other other politicians that are. That's their business. They're professional politicians, and that's all they've done. That's all they know to do. Uh, There should be definitely term limits on those folks. Yeah. I just...
1: Yeah, I mean, the Founding Fathers and other uh, traditionalists, if you will, would argue that we do have term limits. It's called uh, elections, and... uh, I, uh, I I don't know if the founding fathers actually realized how much uh, money incumbents would be able to uh, to attract and how much power and influence they would be able to have. The reelection rate for incumbents in Congress is more than ninety percent. It is very rare, and especially now that the the lines of uh, of each district is drawn so polarized. Uh, you know, in Georgia, we really only have one. Somewhat competitive uh, congressional seat. The other seats are all pretty much gerrymandered one way or the other. Georgia, unfortunately, is forced by the Voting Rights Act to have um, majority minority districts in some of them. And uh, since the feds have tied our hands a little bit, uh, you know, the urban centers are basically the, the population centers have the uh, the highest density people living there and uh, unfortunately it means that congressional representatives don't really have to try to attract the, the middle. They can appeal to their far left or far right base and that really gives us a, a very polarized House of Representatives, David, and um, You know, I, right now, I would say that we have a very conservative House of Representatives. We have a moderate U.S. Senate. We do have some, some conservative senators in there, but we also have a lot of, a lot of squishy moderates in there that are frankly afraid to, to use the power of the purse and uh, do what a lot of them promised. Uh, our newly elected senator from here, David Perdue, was at the Americans for Prosperity Restoring the American Dream Summit this past weekend and apparently did an excellent job. He got a better response than Jeb Bush and for, according to some of the things I read, people were saying, why isn't he running for president? So, <laughs> that's pretty pretty interesting, but he is actually going to be bringing up a term limit bill and talked about the creatures of Washington, if you will, and how desperate they are to stay in power. And that part of the problem is that I think I think that was more than sixty members of Congress have been there for twenty plus years, and that is a that's staggering that's amount. That's ridiculous.
2: Of you know, I, that,
1: that, they are. Com- that, if you've been there for twenty years, you've been there since Clinton was first elected, or I guess if it's twenty years, his reelection. But so you've been there through Clinton, W. Most of Obama's term, and the country has changed significantly. I would say that if you've been there more than twenty years, you're probably out of touch,
2: and your voters are out of touch for not kicking your ass out. <laughs> you know, I I am totally opposed to a professional House of Representative person or or senator, either one. I I, I think it's wrong. I think what you know what we've seen with uh, with. Uh, the, the former Senate leader, majority leader, Harry Reid. Oh, yeah. You, you
1: know, that's... that's and and uh, the guy from Utah, Orrin Hatch. Yeah. They've both been there for 30-plus years. Charlie Rangel from Harlem has been there more than 40 years. There's a guy that's been there more than 50 years. I think he just passed away, but... Uh,
0: <laughs>
3: that's yeah. one way to get term Yeah, I, I was
1: about to say, you know what, it's unfortunate that we have to use turning 95 and dying as a term limit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But it's it might be a good option, well, except I mean, we have to bring it down to about sixty-five. I think.
1: Well, you know, when Social Security started, the average age was about sixty-two years old, and that's why they pegged the uh, number um, at that age to get benefits. And because of medical advancements and people, nutrition improving, although our our waistlines aren't necessarily improving, we are living much longer than that. But um, you know, clearly, I don't think they were planning on. Uh, on, on death being the ultimate term limit. <laughs> that's, well,
2: maybe, like I said, maybe they... I mean, that that's kind that, of... I thought that
1: there. was reserved for kings and queens mostly, David. But uh, anyway, we, uh, we've we got a, a, a hectic uh, presidential race coming up. Um, well, it's actually ongoing right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to have uh, Loretta Lapore and Dr. Kathleen Ruth in. ...to talk about Carly Fiorina's campaign, and uh, it may be possible that uh, I may be able to actually get Carly to call in during the show. So I'm totally going to be trying to get that to happen. Um, her campaign has really created the most buzz since the debates. Uh, Carly Fiorina was at the... Uh, uh, it was anointed the kids' table, and... 84% of folks that watched that the first debate, it was at 5 p.m., said that she dominated did it extremely well. And then she leveraged that into the Red State Gathering weekend, which was in Atlanta, Georgia. And that basically took the place of the Iowa Straw Poll. The Iowa Straw Poll has been vanquished or uh, banished to uh, irrelevancy. They don't really have it anymore because of the, uh, or they didn't have it this year because of the Red State Gathering. And at that event, we had, I think, about 11 of the announced candidates come in, CNN will be hosting the next televised debate. That'll be September 16th, and I'm sure, sure there will be plenty of fireworks abounding from there. As we previously mentioned, Donald Trump still leading the pack. He uh, had about 30,000 people show up to a rally in Mobile, Alabama Last week And uh, I saw something on the news And it was uh, CNN reporting That it was just a bunch of white people At this, uh, this turnout for Donald Trump in Mobile And it was um, I think it was on Hannity last night I don't normally watch the show Because I don't want to steal any of their ideas or have them steal mine, because I know all those guys like to to listen to me. But Hannity pointed out uh, that the Bernie Sanders rallies in Portland, Oregon, also were pretty much just white people. And he said, why aren't you reporting both of these? Bernie Sanders is obviously making up a lot of ground on Hillary Clinton, who has just had a really bad month, if you will. Not as bad as the Dow Jones, but she is certainly keeping up with the Dow Jones for dropping points. I mean, if you could do it uh, percentage-wise, Ms. Clinton ain't doing so good. She, is, she has improved her chances of being arrested, though. Because, David, how do you, what is different between what she has alleged to do which I think is—I think the, there's a smoking gun, and there's servers that the FBI is going to crack into, even though it was wiped. Um, what's the difference between what she has been alleged to do versus what David Petraeus uh, went to uh, lost his job, and, and I believe he's arrested, right? Was Petraeus sent to jail for a
2: year? No, 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 no. He—he he wasn't. He's—he was just relieved of his yeah. generalship, and. Uh...
1: Court martial. It was right?
2: a well, no, he he no, not even a court martial. It was a misdemeanor, as they wound up calling it. Um, I'm in my way of thinking, and I could be, you know, I, I have to think sort of crazy. What she did is much more disastrous than what, in my opinion, Petraeus did. Uh, Petraeus basically took home old notes, uh, and I don't think his were uh, as current as the emails of... Like the Secretary of State, like yeah. getting active
1: emails at night, Benghazi happened? Oh, something something like current that. like yeah, that, maybe? Yeah. Okay.
2: And uh, I think Petraeus uh, had stood up to Obama, and Obama was going just like uh, McChrystal and anybody else that has stood up to Obama, mm-hmm. they're going to get put under the bus. Right. And if he happens to really hate you, like he does the Clintons, then you're going to be put under the bus and the trailer. You know. Right. Um, I think what she did is much more Treacherous, traitorous, uh, treasonous than uh, what Petraeus did. Yeah, Petraeus basically um,
1: had some pillow talk and was, you know, with somebody that yeah. was
2: not privy to classified information. No, she yet. actually, she had a top secret clearance. Oh, she did? Okay. Oh, yeah, she was she was a lieutenant colonel in, uh, in the guard or I, I can't remember what, but she, uh, yes, she had uh, top secret clearance. That doesn't mean that you can take top secret papers and publish them Mm-hmm. But you can certainly look at them, right? And, uh, however, with that being said, generally speaking, unless you are told to look at them, you don't just arbitrarily say pop open a book and say, "Oh, I think I'll I'll read this and see what's <laughs> in it," you know. But uh, Petraeus uh, Petreas made a mistake, and a but I don't think it's near the mistake. Well, Wait, I thanks. don't think I don't think I think his was a mistake. With no mal intent right I think Hillary's was never a mistake with total mal I was about intent. to say
1: it seems to me that hers is premeditated she wanted to have it secret she's now claiming well they weren't classified when they were sent to me but they will be I don't I can't control it and just uh, she's had terrible excuse after excuse about it and I'm glad it's taken its toll in the poll we'll be back in a couple minutes on Greg's list from Doug Dahlgren an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of
0: Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com.
4: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
0: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved.
4: the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back on Greg's List. Live, your home for serious journalism, only on americaswebradio.com. Got an excellent lineup of guests today for your listening pleasure. uh, Corey Ruth from uh, Emergence Global will be joining us here in a couple of minutes. And then we have uh, the uh, co-chair of the Scott Walker for President campaign, Julian Thompson, calling in at 230 and after that uh, 245 Erica Barker from the Georgia College Republicans she's the political director over there we were talking a little bit about the damage that uh, uh Hillary Clinton is self-inflicting upon herself by it, it a lot of times what they say David it's not necessarily the crime it's the cover up and we're seeing evidence that the cover up is taking a far more damaging toll on Hillary Clinton she's just not able to shake this email scandal and it's not just the email scandal it's what's actually in the emails and now it's the actual cover-up that we're seeing and when she's being interviewed she's showing uh signs that this uh investigation is really getting to her she's been cracking under the pressure i can imagine that joe biden's uh entry imminent entry into the race has got to be wearing on her as well because i'm i'm gonna guess that obama is going to tacitly support joe biden i think he would think or, or look at joe biden as a continuation of his own presidency and obama has said that he would like to run a third time and that he would probably win much to the horror of uh many americans who've seen our debt double and uh seen Obamacare cause premiums to rise significantly. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, because you've got so many Republican candidates that have pretty good resumes, that, that have compelling stories. And now the Democrat side is starting to add up in numbers, too. Um, we haven't really heard much from the Democrat side, except from Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. If Joe Biden does jump in, And from what I'm reading, it looks like that's going to happen. They are suggesting that he is going to be trying to get in there for the October 13th debate, which would put him on stage with uh, Martin O'Malley and uh, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and uh, Jim Webb, I guess. And Jim Webb, basically, he announced he's running, and we haven't heard anything from him. David, I don't know. He was one of your kind of dark horse picks that uh, that you liked. He's pretty strong on foreign policy, but uh, I don't know how popular he is on the Democrat side of things. Have you heard anything out of his campaign? Because I know you were uh, a fan of his just because of his uh, military, military experience. Career. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, well, he basically was the only one initially running that had any military experience. And I thought if we had to have a uh, another Democrat, <laughs> he seemed to be somewhat uh, logical in, in his views. He right. wasn't, you know, and, and that's probably hurt him that he's not uh, left-wing enough. But, no, I haven't heard oh uh, a- As they say, I haven't heard a peep out of the boy. No peeps from the beweeps. Speaking of lack
1: of peeps, uh, Jim Gilmore, who was, I think, the former Maryland governor, he's the 17th Republican candidate. He has not been invited to the CNN event because his poll numbers just aren't uh, aren't registering at all. So you've got him, Pataki, um, Lindsey Graham, who's still in the mix, so to speak. Uh, Who else? Chris Christie. Several candidates that really are not gaining any traction. The aforementioned Rand Paul, who's struggling, he's below three uh, percent. You know, it, you have Donald Trump, Jeb Bush, and Ben Carson, pretty much the top three. You have Carly Fiorina, who's got the, I guess would say the buzz and the momentum, and then you have Scott Walker and Ted Cruz, who I I think are prepared for a long battle. I think they're they're being very strategic. Uh, Ted Cruz has actually been doing pretty well in the polls. I don't know. Did you see where Ted Cruz was at the uh, Iowa? He was at an event over the weekend, and Ellen Page, who is uh, an actress, she just uh, she announced that she was a lesbian back in 2014. She Ted Cruz was um, he was making uh, pork sandwiches for the guests right. at this Iowa thing. She comes up to him. She's incognito. She's got like these big sunglasses on, this big hat, and then just starts pestering Ted Cruz with. Um, Uh, his stances on on gay rights and a bunch of other issues and it was an interesting back and forth. It was about a six minute exchange Ted Cruz obviously had no idea who she was and uh, you know clearly she was trying to create a scene but, you know, Ted actually had a, a, a very good uh, exchange with her. The liberals obviously said, watch Ellen Page take Ted Cruz to task here. And then the conservatives said, Ted Cruz crushes Ellen Page. But I watched it. It seemed like a pretty even exchange back and forth. Ted Cruz was able to answer a lot of the the accusations with examples of how Christians are somewhat being persecuted uh, for, for their faith and comparing that to some of the international um issues that, that, that we've been seeing. So I thought that was uh, interesting news from over the weekend. We've also been talking about the Dow Jones and, and it's crashing lately. Uh we are seeing a big recovery today on it. Uh, I was read I was watching CNBC this morning. They were trying to blame some of the uh the computer trades for uh, the, the the drop, it was dramatic yesterday morning in the first five minutes it was down almost 1,100 points it recovered a little bit throughout the day and ended up losing about 500 but all the pundits, so to speak on CNBC were they hate it when the stock market crashes they, they, they hate gold, they hate bonds the only thing they like is stocks and so you're always going to have the CNBC cheerleaders you can tell what's going on in the market by the countenance uh, of their faces when you, when you flip it on, but uh, Yesterday, it seemed like it was. uh, They were as confused as everybody else. They were blaming these uh, flash crashes on some of these electronic trades. Um, You know, I don't don't know what to uh, what to attribute it to, except the fact that uh, you do have a lot of of people in the market that win or 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 make or lose money on just fractional amounts of how a stock changes during the course of the
2: day. Well, you know, I found it quite amazing, but I have over the years, uh, you know, <laughs> everybody becomes an expert. And this is the reason that it's happening. You know, I think you uh, you could say you get a balloon and you take the air out of it, it's going to fall. So, and I think this is what uh, has, is going, I don't think we've seen anything yet, brother. Uh, with the stock market, the stock market is is hot air without a uh propane blaster keeping it keeping it up. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the Fed has been uh, pumping money into the the stock market for you know uh, several years now. Interest rates have been at zero approximately for since two thousand nine. So we've had a protracted government stimulus and what a lot of the uh, analysts look at or is saying what what happens when the fed actually has to start raising rates is this going to take away the punch bowl so to speak but anyway Corey ruth has joined us now we uh wanted to welcome him to the show Corey, thanks for calling in and uh, welcome back to greg's list how are you
5: I'm doing quite well. Thanks, Greg, for having me.
1: No problem, man. I uh, just wanted to, to get you in on the program a little bit. We've had so many uh, dynamic changes in this uh, presidential race, and I know uh, you've had a couple of uh, uh, favorites so far, and uh, you know, you're actually tied into the uh, Carly Fiorina campaign a little bit now too. So tell me a uh, little bit about uh, who your top three choices are for president right now.
5: Well, I, I think you you know Bush uh, Jeb is still the uh, person to beat. Uh, you know, even with uh, Donald Trump uh, performing the way he is, I think uh, you know Carly Fierina, uh is definitely going to be there. I actually think we're going to see uh, Walker and Carson, uh, you know, start to slip here Kasich as well, um, because I just think they have some structural issues that that are not going to that, that are not going to play well uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, you know, and then Trump is going to be there Until the end um, So, that's that, that's how I see it Those are the top three
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the thing is, is how long will Trump last? Will Trump start spending his own money To build a campaign infrastructure? He's been coming out with some platform pieces But uh, is his support real? Or is his support people that are responding to polls Because they're frustrated with the direction of the country?
5: I think his support is you know that he is, uh, you know, receiving a quarter of the Republican uh, respondents to these polls, but he's getting ninety percent of the coverage. I mean, it's the same thing that we saw in two thousand eight with Barack Obama that allowed him to beat Hillary Clinton. Uh, my, what I um, uh, uh, predict will happen with Trump is is in uh, September sixteenth that, on that debate stage. Uh, you know, he'll, you know, we'll pass the uh, sort of cordial introductory campaign uh, debate. And, uh, you know, you'll start seeing some of the knives come out and, and he'll be forced by his opponents to answer questions with more uh, detail and uh, and they'll be rapid and they'll keep coming. And I think we'll start to see Trump slip because he he just won't be prepared for that.
1: Yeah, and some of those the folks it's they're, they've got to be seeing the writing on the wall, so to speak. The off ramp has got to look appealing to uh, a couple of the uh, the senators at least. I mentioned earlier, Rand Paul had uh, paid off the. Uh, Kentucky State Republican Party, so he can actually run for both, so I'm not sure if that means he's not real confident in his presidential chances, or if he really likes that $180,000 cushy senatorial job, but uh, I thought that was interesting, and that may be kind of laying a framework for him to kind of ride off into the sunset. Uh, You've got to think Governor Christie has got to be Assessing his chances, and he was pretty realistic. I think he said, "Yeah, if I, if I don't have a chance, I'm not going to, you know, stick stick around." Kind of like Rick Perry is is trying to do.
5: Yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm from New Jersey. I got a sweet spot for Chris Christie, and I also think that um, you know he he makes the field tougher. Um, but yeah, he's going to have to, you know, make some realistic considerations. I think, you know, all of the sort of, uh, undercard, uh, debate candidates like Gilman and, uh, Pataki and, and, uh, and those guys all the way through to, you know, um, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Perry, those guys that have to, you know, rationalize their continued campaigning, uh, I, or, on, uh, on the, uh, main stage. You know, I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where the off-ramp for a lot of these guys that is, you know, that allows them to save face and exit, you know. Yeah, there may,
1: and, there, and there may not be a way for all of them to save face, but since they were gaining less than or garnering less than 1% support in the polls anyway, yeah, it's not a whole them. lot of face that they've wasted. All right, well, Corey, listen, man, I, I wish I had a little more time with you, but I've got the uh, the 2.30 segment coming up. We'll have you on again, and as I've mentioned, we've got uh, Dr. Ruth, uh, Kathleen Ruth, and uh, Loretta Lapore scheduled next week to talk more about Carly Fiorina campaign, and if we get that, lucky.
5: That should be good. They'll be able to give some... Uh, some I'm really excited yep. to our strategy.
1: I'm like excited cool. about that. Corey Ruth, partner at Emergence Global. Thank you for calling in. We'll see you in a couple minutes with Julianne Thompson on Greg's List.
6: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio.
3: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out, and when necessary, Support USJF as they support you.
0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Just had a, a, a segment with Corey Ruth there talking a little presidential politics. And now I'm happy to have Julianne Thompson, who is the state co-chair for Scott Walker for president. I think this is your first time calling on Greg's List. Welcome to the show, Julianne.
7: Okay, thanks for having me, Greg.
1: No problem. I know you've got uh, another gig uh, starting about two forty, so just wanted to kind of jump right in. We've been talking presidential politics. I'm glad to see the Democrat side of things is starting to get real interesting because for so long the Republicans have just had so many candidates, and uh, it, you almost have to really separate the ones that are serious versus the ones that are uh, hot air, so to speak. And I've I've said that I think Donald Trump's support is 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 not as strong as what it shows up on. Polls with his 20 to 25 percent. Let's talk a little bit about Scott Walker and what some of his uh, long term goals are. I think Scott is uh, set up strategically for a long protracted battle, and even though his poll numbers are not as as high as a lot of us would want them to be, uh, I have a feeling his campaign is getting a lot more organized. So give us a little bit of insight on that if you can.
7: Sure. Well, um, Governor Walker's campaign is about six weeks old right now, so he hasn't been in the race very long. we're getting organized in georgia and across the nation and um... as you said poll members are something that really has to be um, dissected carefully it depends on who is taking the poll who is being polled and um, how the questions are asked so i don't think you can go by polls at this present time plus we've only had one debate and the other candidates really didn't get much of a chance to talk in the primetime debate although they did in the, the 5 p.m. debate but um... But I think we need to wait and see what happens at the next debate, and I think people are going to be um, very, very happy with what Governor Walker has to say.
1: Yeah, what do you think about um, y- you know we've got the uh, the top three right now which kind of rotates it's Donald Trump and then uh, dr. Carson is in there sometimes uh, Jeb Bush is in there sometimes Ted Cruz is in there who do you think out of that little group has the stay in power um, that'll that'll make it through the uh, at least the initial set of primaries and starting in Iowa
7: well Greg as you know people say two weeks is a lifetime in politics <laughs> so what is six months or nine months or even a year from now when we have the republican national convention it is an absolute eternity so anything could happen so we have to wait and see and i of course don't have a crystal ball to to foretell anything like that but just remember that this time um at this time in previous elections rudy giuliani was polling at i think about 32 percent and he was in the lead and um you know we saw things went in that campaign, so a lot could change. So we're very early in the process.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it is just the name ID. Obviously, Rudy Giuliani had a uh, a very high uh, public persona after his uh, his well documented response to to nine eleven and. Um uh, really was looked at as America's mayor. We've got such a, a fractured uh, Republican Party right now, though, and uh, I, I think that we we, we need to look at, at the candidates that are going to be uh, unifying figures, and also ones that are going to be able to put in uh, a team that in in all fifty states, rather than just uh, you know getting all the free coverage right now that a, a donald trump is so it is uh it is a big factor though i know a lot of uh, republican insiders are a little bit frustrated with all the attention that, that trump is getting but as you mentioned six months is an eternity and i know governor walker's uh, put in a pretty big ad buy in iowa and if i remember correctly he's doing pretty well in the polls there and that's the first state that votes right
7: Right, and and as you stated, we all have to think about the general election and the fact that once the primary is over, no matter what candidate it is, no matter what campaign team it is in the state of Georgia or any other state for that matter, we've got to be able to merge and unite in the general election behind our nominee. And so I think, for me, the most important thing that I look at uh, right now is, but when I talk to people and, and they're interested in Governor Walker, of course, I talk about him. I talk about the fact that he is record over rhetoric. I talk about the fact that he has presented policies when most of the other candidates have not. And, and I hope that the GOP really stresses the fact that our most pressing issues right now are, are what's at stake for our future. I mean, this nation simply cannot endure another tone of the left being in power. Four more years of policies that have crippled our economy. Four more years of policies that have made the U.S. and the rest of the world, for that matter, a more dangerous place. Um, You know, I have two children. My children deserve to inherit a prosperous free America, and our military deserves a commander in chief who will respect their lives. And quite frankly, America deserves a president that takes the Constitution seriously, and that simply is a suggestion. So we need to be thinking about
1: the general election and taking back the White House because we cannot endure another four years of the left. Yeah, and and clearly um, either a Clinton or Biden, who uh, I think is going to be somewhat of a contender when he jumps in, he'll clearly have the name ID. He actually has pretty good approval ratings, um, and the Democrats are going to look at him as somebody that doesn't. He has less baggage he being Obama's vice president than Hillary Clinton does. So they're going to look at him as somebody that doesn't have nearly the uh, uh, the, the political baggage, nearly the controversy. So uh, him getting sure. in there. And all that does is help the Republicans out, though, because a, a fractured Democrat side gives us time to to straighten out our side. And one of the things that's excited me is the, the SEC primary, which is basically eight southern states that are going to be voting uh, presidential primary on March 1st, next year that's giving southern voters so much more influence in this presidential race so t- talk about that a little bit
7: sure absolutely well well going back to your first point about about the, the fractured democratic party i mean all we're really ever hearing about in the media is the fact that republicans are divided right now well that's what the primary process is for and although we are divided on some issues we need to look at the fact that we're not alone in that um the Democrats are facing the same issues. Hillary's favorability ratings are at an all-time low. Bernie Sanders is surging ahead of her in the polls, in, in some polls in some of the key, crucial primary states. Right. And the media is not giving her a pass on the email scandal, which I is a pleasant surprise. <laughs> but the Democrats are taking it seriously. Obviously, if there's talk of Joe Biden in the race, and that sort of provides them with a more mainstream alternative to a self-professional, Socialist and Bernie Sanders. So, this whole idea of insurgency is not just a Republican phenomenon. Right. Yeah, and
1: and I think we've seen throughout the years the 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 parties have become more polarized. So you do have a, a you know kind of the the right wing, the conservatives. We are having much more of a voice in the the national conversation, and we have been able to elect what I consider a pretty conservative House of Representatives. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the a lot of them have campaigned on rhetoric saying they'll be able to get stuff done, and it just hasn't been the case. It wasn't really the reality that Obama was all. All of a sudden going to say oh you guys got the senate and house of representatives i'm going to repeal everything so it, we didn't really have that dynamic happen um, which is why it's critical that we get a republican in and i've um clearly been a scott walker fan since four years ago when he took on the the unions and and, and actually saved a lot of uh, education jobs in wisconsin and has done all the, the the accomplishments that we've talked about he's got such a different record than the senators and uh You know, I I think Rubio and Ted Cruz both are good candidates, but they need some of that CEO experience in managing and governing rather than just being able to go up and and, and filibuster for 20 minutes and and call it a day.
7: Right, right. I understand. And to your second point about the SEC primary, I'm certainly thankful for that, as I'm sure a lot of other people are in, in all the campaigns, because for so long, Georgia has been nearly a flyover state. And we really haven't seen a lot of presidential campaign action in the state of Georgia until recently with the SEC primary. And I know with Governor Walker, he's been in Georgia five times already. And so we are seeing candidates coming to Georgia and becoming, we're becoming more of a player in the national scene when it comes to presidential visits, and that's good for us. It's very good for Georgia to be noticed because we have a lot to offer and we have some of the greatest grassroots get-out-the-vote workers in the entire nation right here in the
1: state of Georgia. Yep, and we're the eighth biggest state by population. We have the world's busiest airport. So we are on the radar. Well, Julianne Thompson, thank you so much for calling in. I know you've got another interview lined up, but it was great to have you on for the first time here, and I'm sure we'll be speaking to you more in the future. Thank you so much, Greg. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. So that was Julianne Thompson, who's the co-chair of the Scott Walker For president georgia campaign and as you mentioned folks this sec primary has really put georgia on the map politically speaking so far oftentimes in the past the presidential race was almost decided by the time it came around to georgia um i believe huckabee won in 2008 um and obviously mccain was the eventual nominee there and then in 2012 uh Newt Gingrich won. Newt Gingrich was a fairly viable presidential candidate. Um, He probably didn't have the the numbers to actually win um, on a a national campaign, but he was able to get uh, 47% of the vote here. Rick Santorum finished second in Georgia, and Mitt Romney finished third. Uh, Since Georgia is actually doing their primary before March 15th, it is not a winner-take-all state, which means that it's a very convoluted formula brian Kemp, secretary of state uh of uh, of georgia was um explaining to us how that worked the non-winner take-all format it's uh, proportional delegates but that means that there are points so to speak for second place there are also points for third place which means that some of these candidates that that are in it for the long haul that are able to build national organizations that are able to continue Gaining donors and funds, and this is where a Ted Cruz is going to still be viable because Ted Cruz has been spending his time in the South building up his firewall, uh, so to speak. That's what he's called it anyway, and he's going to have pockets of delegates from a lot of states. So that's either going to be very powerful for him to leverage as a uh, one of the keynote speakers during the Republican convention, which is in Cleveland, Ohio this year. Maybe LeBron will make a make an appearance for us, but uh, you think? I don't know. That would, that would be neat. I I have a feeling LeBron isn't a Republican though. Although, if you look at the professional athletes, and we show them what Republicans' tax plans are, I think we could convert a lot of them. What about you, Deb? you think we could convert some of these uh, professional athletes? Arthur Blank is uh, building a soccer field in, in DeKalb now. He's getting all sorts of tax bonuses from the taxpayers. Do you think if we could you know, show uh, some of these athletes the, the, the difference in their paychecks if they were Republicans, that might persuade them?
2: They have to be able to read first. Oh.
1: So only the UGA graduates would actually be there, right? <laughs> And I'll throw in uh, Texas Tech as well. Uh, No, I I
2: don't think about Tech.
1: Hey, do you want to take our uh, final break here? We've got Eric uh, Barker, who's the... uh political director from the Georgia College Republicans, uh, calling in next, and we may already have her on the other line of lots of things to discuss with her, talking about who the, uh, most appealing candidates for, for the, uh, millennials, that, that voting block that you hear so much about, and also do, get a little reaction to the Alpha Phi, uh, sorority video. Erica's actually in a, a sorority at the University of North Georgia, and, uh, wanted to see some real world experience and reaction to that as we had, uh, Valerie Martin on last week to to talk about it, to give a a female perspective on it and to say, hey, this is all a bunch of BS, a bunch of malarkey. They're making a a big stink out of this for nothing. Or if there was legitimate concerns that it does um, uh, marginalize females. So it'll be an interesting discussion with her. We'll be back in a couple of minutes on Greg's List.
3: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you.
2: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com.
0: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare.
1: And hello, America. Welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com. Coming at you, we're wrapping up another scintillating show today. We spoke with Corey Ruth, Julian Thompson, and now joining us is uh, our friend Erica Barker. And Erica, I wanted to make sure I got the title out. You're the political director for the uh, the College Republican Association in the state of Georgia, right? Yes, sir, that I am. Awesome. See, it's sometimes you got to get these titles correct, otherwise you uh, you diminish the actual role of the people. And uh, Erica's also uh, you're a senior at University of North Georgia up in Dahlonega, correct? That is correct. All right. Well, listen, I am excited to have you call in today. I was trying to get you to call in uh, last week for the reaction to the, um, the Alpha Phi, the notorious six-minute video that so many people on the left found uh, shocking and were in an uproar about, and uh, you're actually in a sorority there, and I kind of wanted to get a reaction from somebody who's actually in school that's in a sorority to see what uh, what y'all were talking about and whether or not it was as demonic as the left wanted to say it was.
6: I am in a sorority, and quite honestly, I don't really see how that entire video was even newsworthy. Um, <laughs> recruitment videos are something that are fairly new within sororities, um, and usually they're shown during the process of rush, um, and they're not, they're not shown to adults or anything. They're shown to freshman girls that are already interested in joining a sorority, so they're trying to play themselves as fun and how much they love each other and how great their sisterhood is and it's basically just a good way to kickstart recruitment Um, it's the purpose of a recruitment video is not at all to say these are what our philanthropies are and these are um, this, this is the service that we do to our community and the service that we do to one another it's Basically, about energizing and making girls excited to be a part of the recruitment process and to join a sorority. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it even making the
1: news is absolutely ridiculous. It's got to be hyper-competitive. Uh, back when I was at University of Georgia, I was in a, a fraternity. We certainly didn't have any kind of recruitment videos. That probably is, I, I don't know, fraternities, especially Georgia, would do anything <laughs> like that. We, <laughs> we, fraternities we
6: aren't into, like, blowing glitter and stuff. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, I don't know if I'd want to join that. That's the Caitlyn Jenner fraternity. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I. Uh, it, we, it, it's totally changed. I mean, back then, I, I remember the, the, the girls that, you know, graduated high school with when they're going through they had to get their three letters of recommendation and it was such a nerve-wracking experience and to kind of fast forward to current day where you have you know these girls that i mean clearly that video cost a lot of money i mean they were like helicopter shots i mean it wasn't something that they just threw together and did a a, a montage i mean it was very expensive i thought it was great i watched it 13 times and i did not get offended one time I tried. Well, neither
6: did I. It I... was a really good recruitment video. <laughs> if I was going into recruitment and saw that video, I wouldn't my first thought wouldn't be, well, all these girls look the same and I'm a brunette, so I won't fit <laughs> in. Like it would be they're fun. Like right. they like that looks so fun. I want to hear more about what this sisterhood is about and what they do for one another. So to say that it's unempowering is absolutely irrelevant. It is not unempowering. So this sororities that- are so empowering to women. Joining a sorority is one of the best decisions i made in college. And it's because my sisters are so empowering. And they encourage me to do great things. They don't encourage me to hold hands and skip across the drill field at UNG. <laughs> they encourage me to make good grades and go out and get involved. And I encourage them to do the same. And so this, know,
1: uproar, this uproar from the left, is it, uh, is it from feminists? or I, it, Apparently it was tracked back. There was a, an older columnist in uh, the state of Alabama, it's Alabama.com or AL.com, and he took offense to it. And I'm guessing he's probably a 70-year-old white guy that just wanted mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to, to be offended that day. He woke up and said, what can I be offended about today? And <laughs> okay. so, so he wrote this piece, and then, then it went viral. And clearly uh, Alpha Phi is, is a very good sorority at Alabama. I don't know much about them but from the video i probably say that uh, yeah they're probably a good one and that was probably what made it go viral even more was that it yeah. really was like a, a, a sortie of beauty queen so to speak so mm-hmm. i thought it was kind of tongue-in-cheek they were doing it a little over the top and for the left to actually take it seriously and be in such an uproar was just uh, it, it was funny to me but it's also kind of appalling and i think we need to speak up when they do take things like this and try to say oh this is exactly what uh, White America wants you to have is just uh, an all-white sorority and, and all blondes, and they all have to look the same. And I think that it's it's our duty to speak up when when something like that is uh, is a false narrative.
6: Right. The way that um, you know he discussed it was com- it was completely taken out of context. Like I said, you know, it's shown in the beginning of recruitment to a group of freshmen and sophomore girls that. Want to rush and want to be a part of
1: sororities. So old, um, old white men shouldn't even be watching this, nor should they have an
7: opinion.
6: <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, they put it on YouTube and stuff because they want other people to see how fun they are. But they're not going to try to get Al Bailey to join Alpha Pi. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. We've been—you uh, were actually the political director for the state uh, college Republicans, and I got to say that the college Republicans in okay. Georgia are really uh, a top-notch group. I know you were on the ground okay. with the uh, the J. Max Davis campaign, so you guys mm-hmm. are actually getting real-world experience. From your perspective, uh, out of the seventeen Republican candidates, who's resonating with uh, with the college age, or, or dare I say, millennials? Um, in your opinion.
6: Um, I've heard I've heard a few different names thrown around. I, I like to pick everyone's brains when I'm at you know college Republican functions and see who they're into and see who they're not into. And ever since um, the debate and everything, a lot of the names that I'm hearing are Senator Rubio, Governor Walker, and Governor Bush. Those are the those are the three that. Okay. I think, are really resonating
1: with millennials. What about Carly uh, What about Carly Fiorina? She's gotten a lot of buzz, gained a lot of traction in the polls, if you believe them. Uh, you hearing anything about her?
6: I'm hearing more and more about her. Okay. After her debate presence, and I love to listen to Carly all the time. I think she has great things to say. Um, and I think younger people are realizing that. I think, unfortunately, she didn't get that traction until she was on the debate stage and even not on even even not on the 9 p.m. debate stage but she was her presence was still so big that people still heard her on the 5 p.m. debate stage and her traction is definitely resonating within college Republicans, and I expect to hear more about her um, in the next few months so I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that
1: yeah I I, I expect her to I expect her huh? to be uh, pretty focused uh, at the CNN debate. I actually was reading somewhere that she wasn't invited yet to the CNN thing. I expect them mm-hmm. to change that. If she is not invited to be on the stage to the CNN debate, I would tell the Republican Party to skip CNN as a, uh, a, a medium for the debate.
6: Absolutely. I, I would totally agree. I think her presence is absolutely integral to the debate. She is a strong player, in the entire um, nomination process. I think she definitely needs to be there. She has a lot to say and I think um, the more I hear her speak um, to students and to college students, she's actually gone around and spoke to a few um, different college Republicans. I think she spoke to some in South Carolina maybe a few months ago. Um, So college Republicans all over the nation are hearing from her and hearing what she has to say. So she's making a point to go out and recognize millennials and how important their vote is and That's not something that a lot of candidates do, unfortunately. Um, A lot of times we get put on the back burner, which is not something that they should be doing. If you look at the 2012 election, um, they totally could have garnered more of the youth vote on the Republican side, and that would have helped tremendously. Um, Instead, President Obama went after it on social media and took the avenues that millennials are more in tune with and that's how he got a lot of the youth vote. So reaching out to us and hearing what we have to say and talking to us about issues that we care about and making us feel like our vote is important to you is Really important. I think
7: Carly is doing a lot more of
1: that. Yeah. So I and think, I think definitely yeah. gain more traction. I think one of the most important things too for uh, I guess politicians that wanna wanna cater to the young Republican or the college Republican vote is to not uh, patronize them and say you were the future of the party. Everybody nobody likes hearing that, especially when Can I
6: tell you how how <laughs> upset that always makes me sitting in a room and someone saying, You're the future of the Republican Party. But all of us have probably already worked on campaigns. If you're talking to a group of college, Republicans. 90% of them have worked on campaigns and are researching and analyzing all the time policy and legislation and all that there they're they are in it. Like we are inside of politics at this point. Like we may be young and we may be fresh faced, but we're we are the future of the Republican Party, but we're also the now.
1: Right. That's what I. T- that's I mean I've I've yeah. had the privilege of being able to visit uh, several of the, the the college Republican groups and uh, especially when we were talking about transportation freedom Uber and Lyft and that's what I mm-hmm. told every group was you are not the future you guys are the present or the now and uh, every chapter I've been to is very receptive to that not just waving signs at uh, traffic lights but having a seat at the table asking younger people what is your main issue and obviously student loan debt job security uh, whether mm-hmm. or not social security. Which you'll be paying into Whether or not that's going to be around when you get older These are real life, mature topics That y'all are just as uh, educated on And uh, it'll influence you guys so much That, that everybody needs to be listening and, and having give and take from each other, I think
6: Right, I definitely agree we, we do a lot inside of Especially Republican politics in Georgia And GACR and College Republican chapters I am the chair of our College Republican chapter At North Georgia as well Um, So I see a little bit of the ground game and everything. And um, College Republicans is really encouraging to a lot of the CRs to get out there and be involved. And we don't really even have to encourage them to do it. They want to do it. And I think people would be surprised at how much millennials want to be involved. I think we're kind of seen as, you know, lazy and we don't really care. We don't want to vote. And, of course, there are some. But at the same time, you've got – thousands that want to be involved and want to learn more about the candidates and want to hear from them and want to learn more. So just like you said, those issues impact us so much and will continue to impact us that of course, I think our voices need to
1: be heard more. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed is the college Republicans—they they don't hide from being a Republican. A lot of times, people say Republicans are the silent majority because they don't want to uh, profess what their political views because of peer pressure, or uh, mm-hmm. they don't want to have to answer questions. But one thing I've noticed with especially in Georgia is the college Republicans are damn proud to be Republicans. Um, it's uh, it's pretty amazing that y'all have leveraged social media so much. I know y'all had an event uh, last night. There was kind of a, uh, an introduction to the College Republicans. I hope you guys had a big mm-hmm. turnout there. How, how was that?
6: We did. We actually had a really good turnout. I was really excited because um, we saw a lot of really fresh like, freshmen. There's a lot of freshmen that are interested. And I think um, there being so many presidential candidates and so much to learn about is definitely a drive for people to come out and join College Republicans. And I would definitely encourage them to. Um, so our, our introduction went really, really great there are so many people interested and I think we'll only get more as, um, as this election becomes more prevalent and in the minds of Younger
1: yep. people and college students. Well, Erica, right. you know, that's, uh, it's such a, it's such great news to hear that. And I appreciate you calling in today. I know you had to dip out of class. You're, uh, quite the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the busy person, a radio personality and actually trying to graduate from University of North Georgia and working on campaigns. So anyway, thank you so much for calling in. We'll, we'll be sure to have you back in the future and you'll be able to listen to this, uh, tonight on replay at 6 p.m. when hopefully you're out of class. But anyway, thank you for calling in and I look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks
6: for having me. You have a good
1: day. All right, you too. And we will see you all next week again, an outstanding show. We've got Carly Fiorina's Georgia team coming in here, um, and uh, it's going to be really great to hear the boots-on-the-ground reaction from them and other uh, matters. And we'll see you, in a couple, uh, or see you next week on Greg's List.
4: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.